I'm Tavis Smiley. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. Today is the NATO Day, the birthday of one Stephanie Mills. And so all throughout today's program, three hours, well, two to go, uh, we're playing some of the best of Stephanie Mills. And does Stephanie have a library? Good Lord. Uh, Stephanie was with us not long ago uh, on this program for an hour. We had a great conversation with Stephanie Mills. And today we celebrate the NATO Day of this iconic artist, uh, Stephanie Mills. In this hour, though, uh, we're talking about what's called Sonic Scholarship, an innovative approach to history and hip-hop that infuses both disciplines to explore the ways in which black folk have influenced American history and the public sphere. Sonic scholar Dr. DeWeston Haywood joins us in this hour to unpack all this. I'm pleased to have him on KBLA Talk 1580. Dr. Haywood, how are you, sir? Good. How's it going? Man, I'm doing well, brother. Uh, glad to have you here, and uh, thank you for the hour. A lot to unpack. Um, let me start with this. I'm going to play some sound here in just a second. Um, but uh, for those who never heard the term sonic scholarship, or moreover, the field of study uh, vis-a-vis sonic scholarship, unpack that first, and we'll, we'll, we'll be some sound in here in a moment. Okay, great. Uh, thanks so much for, for having me on. Um, so, so what I call sonic scholarship is is my effort to uh, fuse history and hip-hop to take, you know, one critical practice and merge it with another uh, to provide new ways to produce and consume uh, knowledge. So so it takes history, historical writing, and historical thinking and applies it to hip-hop, but, you know, it, it also does the reverse, right? It, it applies uh, hip-hopian writing and thinking to history. So, so it's at once this academic and artistic production um, that produces this historical argument, right, that's wrapped. And then um, music that makes a historical argument backed by endnotes, footnotes, evidence, uh, these verifiable sources, especially, you know, in our current post-truth moment uh, where concerns grow day by day that, that we're facing uh, misinformation. So it, it bridges these two uh, parallel discourses, wordplay, and argumentation to produce this new way to consume and um, uh, examine knowledge. Mm-hmm. What can, I'm glad you went there, I'm going to follow you through the hour, um, what, what can hip-hop say to us in this post-truth moment? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a great question. So I, I think that hip-hop has always been uh, situated in um, a critique, um, and, and new generations are, are following that up in, in different ways, mm-hmm. right? And so um, if you consider the ways that, that black folk have always been in a post-truth moment, right, if you use black folks' vantage point, um, you'll see, right, that, that we, um, this is how you explain in Ida B. Wells, uh, who's campaigning against lynching in the early 20th century, late 19th. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll, you'll see uh, Carter G. Woodson, who's founding uh, Negro Week, Negro History Week in, in 1926. Uh, and, and with term, what becomes uh, Black History Month by the 1970s, uh, W.E.B. Du Bois, uh, who's talking about the propaganda of history in 1934. And, um, and so I, I think hip-hop grows out of these uh, kinds of histories where uh, hip-hop, whether you're looking in the 1980s, 1990s, and arguably still today, where artists are trying to mobilize um, the public sphere, music, arts, to raise a critique, uh, to challenge, to um, uh, and inform, to mobilize consciousness, right? And so I think we get that kind of moment in this post-truth, post-truth moment um, to to push back on 
efforts across the country by politicians, by uh, um, leaders who are trying to erase certain histories, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think this is where a hip-hop uh, sonic scholarship becomes critical. So here's a sample of what happens uh, when you mash history and hip-hop in the field of what he calls sonic scholarship. This piece is called State of Mind. Do Illuminati conspiracies apply here? Any idea? Cause I'm laying right shit lifeless. If the all seeing eye sees all, then the eyeball had to see what happened to me, right? Cause I am confused. Or maybe they keep hiding the truth and this logically proves Illuminati runs everything plus this deadly scene from cops shoddy guns leaving black bodies done. I never thought they had me marked for my walk in the park to end in white chalk. I don't get it, but it don't make no difference, yo, since it's beyond the walls of intelligence that life is defined. I think of crime when I'm in a Ferguson state of mind. I don't know much about Dr. Haywood, talk to me about a state of mind. Uh, for those of us who know anything about the corpus of uh, the body of work of one Billy Joel, we get the theme. As a matter of fact, Billy Joel was just here in L.A. I think a week or so ago. Now, I didn't get a chance to make it, but a bunch of my friends went and said he turned L.A. upside down. So Billy Joel uh was just here in la uh some days ago but uh, as miles uh lets that ride for a second talk to me about state of mind as a as a sample as an example uh of yes. sonic scholarship right so so the piece you just played uh comes from um an installation of sonic scholarship that i published in 2016 i have a second one that came out in 2020 so this first one that you just played from 2016 uh, comes from uh, the Ferguson Files, the Sonic Study of Racial Violence in America. And so this was uh, an examination of the year of anti-black violence, you know, spanning, spanning the killings of, of, of Michael Brown uh, to Eric Garner, Freddie Gray, Sandra Bland, Rakia Boyd, and, and then closing out with the, uh, the massacre that took place at uh, Mother Emanuel Amy uh, Church in 2015. And so that piece um, is a play on Billy Joel's um, New York state of mind, mm-hmm. uh, as well as Nas's uh, NY state of mind, as well as, um, you know, sort of posturing to see if there's a Ferguson state of mind where mm-hmm. Michael Brown was killed. And so that piece proceeds in four uh, perspectives. The first is Michael Brown, who's meditating now on his own death as he's watching his um, uh, lifeless body on the ground. Uh, it's followed by a commentary by the police officer who shot him, Darren Wilson followed by a random neighbor who's living in the neighborhood. Uh, And then lastly, it closes out with Sabrina Fulton, uh, the mother of Trayvon Martin, Mm -hmm. and her reflections, her thoughts uh, on this moment. And so, again, Sonic Scholarship is this effort to, again, fuse history and hip-hop, right, and take both critical traditions and and merge them, where um, if if you've ever seen Sabrina Fulton's um, open letter to the mother of Michael Brown, Sure. Uh, which talks about uh, having lost her son and, and how this moment united the two of them as black mothers of two sons who have been slain. Um, I take that piece and interpret it through hip hop, right? And, and she has a verse on on the piece. And so, um, just mentioning that that open letter—that's the document that sources that part of the song, right? Yeah. So there's a footnote that follows showing that um, that Sabrina Fulton's uh, words, actual words, influence that piece. Mm. So again, as going back to your point about the post-truth, 
in, in how we combat this moment, uh, providing actual evidence that, that supports the points that we're making is one way to do that. When we come forward, I want to interrogate a bit further this uh, Ferguson uh, state of mind. We're talking with uh, an expert in the field of sonic scholarship, an innovative approach to history and hip-hop that fuses, as you heard him say a moment ago, both of these disciplines. Our guest is Dr. DeWeston Haywood. We'll continue with him when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. Good thing we've got three hours. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. I'm Tavis Smiley, that's Stephanie Mills, and today we are celebrating the birthday of Stephanie Mills. And so throughout our program today, we're playing some of the best of Stephanie Mills as uh, she celebrates her natal day. We love you, Stephanie, and hope you are enjoying your special day. Speaking of music, in this hour, we're joined by Dr. D. Weston Haywood, uh, who is an expert in the field of sonic scholarship, and we're talking about the ways in which uh, he has innovatively, uh, uh, innovatively, I should say, uh, uh, decided to approach um, this uh, notion of bringing together history and hip hop in a way that fuses these disciplines uh, and explores uh, the ways in which black people have been influenced uh, by American history, uh, put our imprint on American history uh, and uh, all that uh, attaches there too. Um, uh, Dr. Haywood, I, I want to come back to this notion of um, of uh, Ferguson and this uh, this 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 state of mind um, when you when you fuse these these two disciplines history and hip hop um, what what do you think the impact is ultimately that um, this fusion can have on the state of mind of those who need to be exposed um, to this history does that make sense yeah 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 it makes great sense um, you know it's it's part of the effort of sonic scholarship is to uh, mobilize the consciousness mm-hmm. and in a particular also um, epistemology, right? Mm-hmm. That, that uh, hip hop can help offer uh, what, what I'm saying as an epistemology as a way of viewing the world, right? And interpreting the world through a black lens. And then what that does to raise consciousness and, and um, you know, so, so if Billy Joel can offer, uh, whose music I enjoy, right, mm-hmm. but can offer a New York state of mind, and Nas did his take with NY state of mind on Illmatic, could there also be a Ferguson state of mind? And if so, you know, that piece responds to it. Can Michael Brown, who was murdered, um, share his thoughts on what the consciousness may be around this location, Ferguson, Missouri? Uh, what that looks like vis-a-vis New York, and what both of those, let's say, looks like vis-a-vis the world. Um, and if we take this lens of Michael Brown or, or Sabrina Fulton, um, as she offered in her piece uh, to Michael Brown's mother, um, it, it, it gives us a new way of, of looking at um, these moments, right, that can lead us to a certain politics that can politicize us, that can, you know, activate us to action. So that's, that's, that's one way. Uh, to, to to see it too. Mm-hmm. Um, on another level too, I think it it helps us respond to uh, what some scholars are calling you know silences and violences in the archive. And so, if if hip hop and music in general, but hip hop in particular, helps us leave a record, you know, literally and figuratively, um, how can we use those records to to provide evidence for our current moment mm-hmm. and also the future? future Mm -hmm. moments where people can come back and and look and say, we were here, right? And here's what we had to say. And and here's what we had to say about these particular moments that 
challenge yeah. black life, but also could help liberate black life, yeah. right? Uh, hip-hop, as you well know, um, Dr. Haywood, has been um, alternately, uh, how might I put this, celebrated and critiqued uh, for the sampling uh, that so many artists uh, do or engage in. Uh, but I was really fascinated, as we played earlier, for those who may have just tuned in, this um, Ferguson State of Mind, which you uh, sampled off of, the again, the iconic Billy Joel's uh, track, State of Mind. Uh, what's it like for you when you are fusing hip-hop and history and you have to make choices and decisions about sampling and particularly uh, sampling something from Billy Joel, of all people? Right, right. Uh, that's a good question. So, so you know, part of the sampling is, um, you know, some legal questions as well, right? Uh, of course, of course, um, of course, yeah. But, 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 but uh, I, I think what you're really trying to get at the heart of is you know, again, if we think of hip-hop in terms of archiving, in terms of crate digging, right, mm -hmm. that, that sample is a, a way of, of grabbing the his, uh, history, bringing it to the present, uh, and remixing it to some extent to make it relevant for our current moment. Um, so that's, that's one way to, to see the sampling. Um, another way is, um, as I try to make the decisions of, of what to pull, um, if you think of it in the context of historical writing, in historical argumentation, right? Mm -hmm. um, scholars build on the work of other scholars. We're always sampling, right? right? We're mm -hmm. always pulling from some other <laughs> thinker, writer, uh, and then citing their work. So even though you hear the sample of Billy Joel, you that's also a citation. And then the uh, the footnotes, the endnotes that I provide, uh, you know, prints the citation, yeah. right? So I'm, I'm not trying to cover up <laughs> mm -hmm. that, that I've sampled the great Billy Joel. I'm trying to make it visible that I'm sampling Billy Joel. Yeah, right? and, and not not just visible, but there's a point to it. Obviously, you're talking about a Ferguson state of mind. Uh, I get it. Uh, so you're you're not you're not trying to uh, be uh, uh, be clandestine about this on any level, which which I can appreciate. I raise that in part, um, in addition to what you just said. I raise it in part because, as you know, we live in a world where there are certain artists. Certain artists don't want their stuff to be sampled. Number one. Uh, but number two, there are other artists who don't want their stuff sampled or played in certain environments. So, for example, um, you know, I, I've seen Stevie Wonder and a number of other people, uh, uh, all kinds of artists, uh, black, white and beyond, who've had to put out public statements because a particular political person was using yeah. their song at their rallies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so so what say you uh, about particular artists who might not want their stuff fused with hip-hop in a way that tells the story of black life in America or white supremacy in America, et cetera, et cetera. You take my point? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a, a really a case-by-case -case basis. Yeah. And I, I think every artist reserves the right to lay claim to their work. Sure, sure. Right? And, and uh, however they want to pursue that claim, whether it's to make a public statement, whether it's to make a legal case, or do both, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I do think it's it's still worth, um, you know, considering the ways that someone's music or art uh, can perform functions that they may not have intended at the time. Yes. Right? And then number two, um, that we, we need soundtracks for movement making. Mm. We, we need um, uh, visual narratives and visual vocabularies for a movement. And sometimes the images and sometimes the music can rally people be before the ideas do, right? So 
you, you might make a, a whole spiel about uh, political rhetoric and political ideas and yada yada uh, epistemologies, mm-hmm. right? Um, but but the song is what gets people, yeah, right. So so that that's one way that um, I think that um, artists can again still lay claim to the work that they've produced and, and appreciate the ways in which their music, their art form has ter- taken on this this new life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what Billy Joe had to say about um, your version of uh, I mean, not your version, but your using uh, that piece of work, that composition to talk about. A Ferguson state of mind. Excuse me. I don't know what Billy Joe thought about what happened in Ferguson. I don't know what Billy, I don't know what Billy Joe thinks about the ways in which uh, white supremacy um, still mm-hmm. reigns supreme uh, mm-hmm. in this country. Um, but I, I, I again, I, I wanted to probe that because I can see how certain artists um, could not necessarily appreciate the fact that in the field of sonic scholarship that their work is being fused with hip hop. Uh, again, mm-hmm. to teach people, uh, I, I think I think I think it's noble. Uh, I'm just not sure that every other artist sees it that way. Let me let me let me pivot and say this though, um, mm-hmm. that um, or I ask this question. I should say, I, I wonder whether or not you truly believe that music, uh, that sonic scholarship, uh, in your particular lane, is still how might I put this? Is still pregnant with the kind of power, pregnant with the kind of resonance. Um, as innovative as it is to get people mm-hmm. to see the world through a different prism, to re-examine their assumptions, to expand their inventory of ideas. Is it pregnant with that kind of power in resonance? Sonic scholarship? Uh, I, you know, I think it is, um, but, but it's not an, uh, an end-all, be-all, right? Mm-hmm. It's, not a, it's not a silver bullet. It's not a, uh, the entire solution. I think that uh, sonic scholarship can be paired with... Um, Boots on the ground, like mm-hmm. real activism. Again, so so if we think about um, the context in which activism takes place, either now or historically, uh, you have people who are um, on, you know, uh, marching on the ground. Let, let's take a take a typical uh, campaign. Right. Uh, you have folks who are on the ground. You have leaders. You have someone speaking, uh, and and then there's there's some something that brings it all together. There there's imagery. There are signs. There are picket signs. There, there's music. There's some kind of element that um, is it, it's this cultural aesthetic that shapes the politics, and the politics shapes the cultural aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's all to say that. Um, Right, I, I think you're you're right to point that out. That that it can, can uh, music, uh, sonic scholarship as an extension of it can still contain these elements of the very power that it's seeking to dismantle. Yeah. Um, but but I, I think if we again do the uh, the scholarship side of it, where you you have the verifiable sources that support the argument, um, it gives people the um, the opportunity to to read through, to screen, to uh, examine. Uh, the ideas to engage them and not necessarily accept them in full, but at least to engage them and then take that and yeah. run with it in terms of, you know, the next movement. Yep. Let, let me, let me play devil's advocate. I got two minutes here before news, traffic and sports. Let's tackle this now in these two minutes and we'll continue when we, when we, when we come forward. But what, and again, I'm playing devil's advocate. So just uh, understand that this question uh, mm-hmm. comes from mm-hmm. that space. What, what is what does it mean? What does it say that we've arrived at a moment in American history where we have to be really, really creative and really, really innovative and fuse hip hop with history to get certain folk to take the lessons that we're trying to teach? What's that say? Is, is that an indictment at, at, at some level? You, you, what's, what's it say? What's yeah. it mean? 
You know, I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's both. I, I think we've arrived at a moment, um, as I sort of mentioned before, not unlike other moments we've seen, again, from the vantage point of black people, mm-hmm. we, when we consider that we've uh, essentially always existed in a post-truth moment, when you consider Nina B. Wells, when you consider uh, Carter G. Woodson. And so um, they had to think of innovative ways to present common sense arguments right. to the public that would otherwise reject those arguments and still rejected them for a long time, um, largely because it was black people who were making those arguments, right? So, um, right, I, I think I think part of the reason that Sonic Scholarship um, um, uh, has emerged, I've produced it, is to respond to students in the classroom, right. uh, so on a local level, but also on this, this massive level where um, how can we produce new ways to consume and, 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 and create knowledge, in ways that um, tap into a democratic form of knowledge production. And I think that's where hip-hop lies. It sort of goes back to your last question about um, the power right. uh, present in science scholarship. So the, the, the scholarship part of it is, you know, part of it comes from the silos and the privileged silos of the academy, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's where some of the power is. But where hip-hop, I think, tempers that, encounters it, is that, um, it's it's more of a democratic form. It's 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 accessible by everyday people, every day, yeah. right? Yeah. And and so, if we can put it in this medium, maybe we can take uh, what would otherwise be a very privileged discourse among academics and and, and transmute that into uh, uh, this very uh, uh, relevant, uh, very culturally relevant. Uh, discourse yeah. where people can access this very easily right yeah. we're talking in this hour um uh with dr deweston haywood about this uh, burgeoning field this growing field of what's called sonic scholarship these innovative approaches that these professors are taking he's at the lead of this the forefront of it uh professors are across the country now finding ways innovatively to 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 approach history and hip-hop fuse these disciplines together in ways that they can then use to influence to impact uh, frankly, uh, to empower and to interrogate uh, history as we know it in this country. We'll continue when we come forward after news, traffic, and sports. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. I'm Tavis Smiley. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. So glad to have you in with us in this hour as we continue our conversation with Dr. DeWeston Haywood talking about sonic scholarship. He is a professor in this field. Uh, there are others who are expanding uh, uh, this uh, this notion of studying uh, hip-hop on college campuses. And in his case, an innovative approach he's taken to uh, fusing history and hip-hop, bringing both of these disciplines together uh, to explore uh, history in this country, uh, to interrogate uh, on the one hand, to empower on the other hand, uh, and everything in between. Um, so we continue our conversation now. We, w- we were talking during the during the break. I was talking to, to Miles and J.D., uh, Dr. Haywood, two of my uh, my guys here, my, my board op and my producer who are in this generation. Uh, and we, we were talking about the ways in which um, Sonic Scholarship is sort of blowing up on college campuses and how that really is any different, respectfully, but how that's any different than what KRS-One, uh, Kumo D, and Nas have been doing for years. So in your lane, it's called Sonic Scholarship. In their lane, it's just called hip hop. Is, is there a difference? Um, I think you're you're right, and 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 the crew is right to to point that out. Um, 
No, I don't think it is. Uh, I, I think that, you know, it, it does one thing a little differently, and that is um, if we consider the historical context out of which um, black artistic and aesthetic traditions emerge, mm-hmm. right? In many ways, even what uh, KRS is doing, uh, great, fantastic work, uh, Nas's uh, center at uh, Harvard as well, um, some others across other uh, campuses across the country, right? They're growing out of um, black aesthetic in our artistic uh, histories, let's say from black power, uh, where you have the emergence of, of um, uh, a number of uh, black uh, uh, performance houses, uh, mm-hmm. theaters. Um, you have, um, if you consider some of the poets of that generation, uh, the Amiri Barakas, the uh, Gil Scott Herons, the Sonia Sanchez's, right? Um, that that grows. What we will see by the 1980s grows out of some of that too. Um, Pac as well, in in um, um, his connection between uh, the Black Power era with his mother, and then also in terms of his, his music. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what Sonic Scholarship does um, um, a little differently, however, is that it's going to make a little more explicit the the end notes and footnotes, right? Mm-hmm. So. Again, um, you know, before I went to grad school and, and chased a PhD, I was a student of hip hop, much to the point that um, your uh, um, uh, uh, your crew was making. And, and that is, um, I, I I went into history uh, already with uh, a history of hip hop, right, and also a history of um, the kinds of traditions that valued argumentation. Uh, wordplay, wordplay over dope beats. And, and so, um, where, where history comes in as an academic discipline is to back up the statements made by a KRS one mm-hmm. or, or, or Nas, uh, or the like with, um, documentation from, let's say, the New York Times mm-hmm. or, or some particular scholar or, um, so if, with the piece that you played, um, a Ferguson state of mind, it's drawing on Billy Joel, and um, there are parts of the song that also draw on Nas's lyrics from um, New- NY State of Mind, mm-hmm. right? So, and then there are footnotes that accompany that to show, okay, here's the citation. And, and, and then ultimately what it argues, what Sonic Scholarship argues, is that there's a historiography to hip-hop as much as there's a historiography to history. Right. So historiography, meaning, you know, what scholars have said about X, Y, Z. Well, there's a similar historiography of what hip hop artists have said about X, Y, Z. So if I'm making commentary about gun violence in uh, in America, particularly aimed at black people, uh, anti-black violence, Mm -hmm. um, you'll see in those footnotes where I cite KRS-One, right, in his attempt during the 1980s and early 90s to make a point about um, uh, uh, putting an end to gun violence, right? Um, the, the stop the violence movement, if you, if, if you recall. So, um, again, you know, it's in the footnotes where it's going to argue, okay, here's the historiography of the songs, the artists, and the people I'm drawing on. Right. And this isn't coming out the blue. This is just a new iteration, a new per, per, uh, permutation of uh, a classic take on how we approach um, music and black aesthetics and black artistry. Yeah. We're talking with Dr. DeWeston Howard about the, uh, this innovative approach that he and other professors are taking now 
on college campuses across the country to sort of, uh, and he's one of the leaders in this movement, to fuse history and hip-hop, bring these disciplines together uh, as a teaching tool uh, for young people these days. Here's uh, uh, some sound from uh, a piece called Justice Contemplates. Heard any other talk radio lately that sounds anything like this? We didn't think so. You're listening to Unapologetically Progressive, KBLA Talk 1580. I want to get back to the question I posed before the break uh, a moment ago, uh, uh, Dr. Haywood, but let me uh, squeeze in. Um, I've got callers calling in and wanting to raise questions. Let me get to this right quick, though. I'm watching my time. It's getting tight. Um, we, we've been covering on this station, on this program, and for that matter, the whole country's been talking about, as you well know, uh, this uh, very disturbing uh, effort on the part of Ron DeSantis in Florida and other governors and mm-hmm. other pol- politicos and other places to to ban books, to ban the teaching of truth, et cetera, et cetera. You know it well. Um, are you concerned at all that this innovative approach that you're taking to teaching history by fusing it? I hear him laughing already by fusing mm-hmm. it with hip hop. Uh, there are two amazing disciplines. But what say you uh, yeah. about the fact that you might get yourself in some trouble with this innovative approach to teaching history? Uh, right, right, right. So, you know, going back to one of your earlier questions, uh, you know, we're, we're at this moment again. And, um, you know, I, I've I've made a you know a decisive, deliberate decision, right? That that uh, much like a uh, Nina Simone or Marvin Gaye, uh, not to compare myself to those those two sure, artists, sure, but sure. to at least make the point that you know they were committed to a certain politics in their music, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm committed to a certain politics in in my work, uh, be it my scholarship or the music as well, and the combination of the two. Yeah. Um, right. I, we got to push back. Um, this is, again, uh, what we've seen before when, whenever black folk tried to tell the truth. Um, there is a massive backlash. It's usually virulent. It's, it's usually violent. Mm-hmm. It usually happens in terms of policies and usually happens in terms of policing. Yeah. Right. And so that's what we're seeing coming out of Florida, coming out of Texas, and it's probably going yeah. to sweep the country. So that means, at least in my mind, that we have to make um, uh, different ways of raising a voice and inserting this kind of per, uh, perspective that challenges this this move, yeah. these, these these moves by politicians. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so, so. No. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I, 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 I got. I, I take your point. I'm, I'm watching my clock here. Uh, when we come forward in our remaining moments with Dr. DeWeston Haywood, I want to just uh, do two things right quick. We're only going to have four or five minutes or so when we come back. Uh, when we come forward, I should say. Uh, I, I, I want to. Uh, play a little bit of his piece called The Inauguration when we come forward and uh, get his take, uh, his insights on that and then close our conversation uh, with that question I posed moments ago. Uh, What is a movement? What is any movement without its soundtrack? That and more with Dr. Haywood when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Say the quiet part out loud. loud. KBLA Talk 1580. To all of the main men who died for me. May the angels bang you and it was so funny. Made men from the Rockefellers to my locked up killers. But right gazelle, look at your baby boy. How you like me now? Somebody wipe me down. Got power to call the military tanks. Oh now, they looking at me scary face. Shit, I could do this every day. I'm Tavis Smiley. He's Dr. Uh, DeWeston Haywood. We're talking, uh, wrapping up a conversation in the next four minutes. Uh, we've been talking in this hour about this growing field of what's called sonic scholarship. This um, 
an innovative and unique approach to uh, fusing uh, the disciplines of history and hip-hop uh, as a new way um, to teach and to train students today on campuses across the country. Uh, and um, that piece, again, is called The Inauguration. Say a brief word about that. I've only got three minutes left here. Say a brief word about that, and then I want to, I want to pivot to this notion of uh, movements and their sound, their, uh, their attendant soundtracks, Dr. Haywood. Yeah, yeah. So that comes from the second uh, publication uh, called Made Men. Uh, it's a take on uh, Donald Trump as uh, the country's greatest gangster rapper, right? Mm. So that was inauguration, uh, which is uh, an interpretation of his inauguration speech. Um, and and so you know, to your point uh, a little a little earlier about you know movements, um, that's a movement. We're witnessing a, um, a movement uh, led by, in, at least in my uh, opinion. Uh, a, a gangster rapper, mm -hmm. right? And, and so, um, so how do we interpret what he said on that inauguration day yeah. in in a hip hopian context? And what does that do? Yeah, that that to my mind. Let me just let me just get political right quick here, unapologetically. <clears throat> Excuse me. That that inauguration speech to my mind is the darkest. It was the darkest inauguration speech I've, I've ever heard or ever read about mm -hmm. in history. Your your take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the full piece uh, closes out with uh, you know th this imagination, I think, of of a doomsday mm -hmm. uh, that he's ushering in a doomsday for America, um, and and we're seeing some of that doomsday play out, right? Yeah. How it plays out in legislation. We're seeing the, uh, the 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 different iterations of what he laid down beginning in twenty sixteen. Yeah. Um, and, and and so you know your your point about well how do we know what what movements and what soundtracks we need to apply to those movements, um, you know for every movement there's a counter movement yeah. right and yep. so so if we're witnessing that movement led by uh, a Trump or any other of of his ilk then we need to raise the counter movement right and and one of the ways that we can do that is with a soundtrack. That's not the the end all and be all right. Mm -hmm. it's, it's in combination with these other forms of engagement. Um, and, and, and then we do it comprehensively to overwhelm the system in these positive ways. Yeah. Right? I, I wonder whether or not I got uh, two minutes left here. I, I, I wonder whether or not we overuse the red movement. I'm not in, I'm not indicting you. Uh, my indictment yeah. of, of is of the demos writ large. Uh, to, to my mind, uh, there are there are moments if you are fortunate, that moment builds momentum. And if you're really fortunate, that momentum turns into a movement. But that's how it starts. Moment momentum and movement and i think oftentimes we confuse uh, moments we confuse momentum with movements your history your historian movements are very rare in our in our country and in the world yeah yeah i think you're right to make that point um and looking at it historically right i mean movements rise and fall yes so what might appear to be a movement in one moment could die the next moment and then reemerge much later so, you know, consider that, that hip-hop started out uh, really as this organic movement of, among that was dismissed, rather, um, among the underclass, right? That it was this counterculture, uh, it was vapid, and, and it wouldn't last. And now, 50 years later, we're about to celebrate, you know, this historic moment. So we, we thought this would be a moment that has turned into this, this movement, right? And so sometimes it's the case that... Um, that what what is a is a moment can can draw people in. You can have uh, thousands of people who are involved, or you could have a handful of people who are involved, and those ideas remain and transform over 
years or decades, yeah. and then reemerge in new expressions uh, a little later. So I'm always interested in the ways in which movements uh, rise and fall, yeah. how they how they live, how they die, and then how they're reborn. Dr. DeWeston Haywood is a professor at uh, City University in New York, an expert in the field of sonic scholarship. This innovative approach, as I said earlier, to sort of weaving and fusing history and hip-hop, these two disciplines, uh, as, a, as a new a technique uh, to uh, enlighten, encourage, empower, inspire, and to educate uh, so many students uh, in college camp, on college campuses across the nation. Uh, Dr. Haywood, thank you for the conversation. Thank you uh, for downloading us on um, this notion of sonic scholarship. Good to have you on, sir. All the best to you. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. My great Take delight. Uh, the final hour of Tavis Smiley after news, traffic, and sports on KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.